Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The Joe Biden. You ain't black. Gaff Machine, overcomplicating what should be the simple task of defeating the worst president in American history. The Trump University Charlottesville Campus School for throwing racist stones at racist Trump-owned glass houses where an awkward old white guy trying to insert himself into a cultural context where he doesn't belong is a racist, but Nazis are very fine people. And the Democrat School for Unchallenged Conventional Wisdom, where nominating Joe... You ain't black! Biden was the only safe choice for beating Donald Trump. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices lack in volume what... You ain't black? Lacks in relevance. Our top story this week... The investigative news outlet ProPublica discovered that a company owned by Zach Fuentes, President Trump's former deputy chief of staff, was awarded a $3 million limited bid government contract to sell N95 masks to the Navajo Nation just 11 days after the company was created. For a deeper look at yet another Trump administration scandal, barely out of a whisper, turns to our Trump administration scandal correspondent, the ghost of Robin Leach. Hello, I'm Robin Leach. I died a year and a half ago, and no one noticed. I'm going to call my new company Zach Fuentes LLC. Because I'm Zach Fuentes, and I'm as egotistical as I am uncreative. That was former Trump administration deputy chief of staff and current douche Zach Fuentes who you probably don't remember from the scandal you probably never heard about, which, much like my death, went largely unnoticed. Oh my god, Zach! What are you doing under my desk? Weren't you supposed to leave when your boss, John Kelly, was forced to resign as chief of staff? Shh! I'm like, staying on the payroll and hiding out in the White House for six months so I can collect early retirement benefits from the Coast Guard. After his boss resigned, it was expected that Fuentes would leave too, thus ending his military service with the Coast Guard six months before he qualified for early retirement, forcing Fuentes to come up with the idiotic plan of, quote, hiding out in the most secure building in the world for six months. And that wasn't even the dumbest part of the plan. You know that the temporary early retirement provision expired, right? You won't be eligible for it in six months anyway. Shit. I probably should have checked into that. However, undeterred by a minor detail, such as the expiration of the temporary provision he was planning to exploit, Fuentes came up with another brilliant scheme. Look over here! Look over here! Zach? You're still here? I came up with a brilliant scheme for getting the retirement benefits that don't exist anymore. I'm going to keep hiding out in the White House. But while I'm secretly still here, I'm going to secretly lobby to get the benefits reinstated. So, do you want to help me? Get the benefits reinstated? Or do I need to pretend to be a bird again? With the exception of the president, you might actually be the single dumbest person that works here. The New York Times broke the story of Fuentes' petty pension scheme 
but the failed fraud of a deputy staffer valued at less than a single Saudi Trump hotel emolument in the most corrupt administration since Caligula wasn't even enough to raise the permanently raised eyebrows of Nancy Pelosi. Psst. You wanna buy some N95 mask? Uh, yes, but why are you whispering? Sorry, force of habit. This brings us to Zach Fuentes LLC, an 11-day-old company run by a man with zero experience in supply chain logistics or medical equipment, who nevertheless won a $3 million limited bid contract to supply desperately needed N95 masks to the Navajo Nation through the Department of Indian Health Services who should probably consider changing their name. Sweet. I just scored a $3 million contract for N95 mask. Now all I have to do is figure out where to find a bunch of N95 masks. Quintus procured the masks from a Chinese manufacturer despite the fact that testing done by the FDA and the CDC had confirmed that masks manufactured in China are frequently substandard and ineffective. But if the virus was made in China, then the China mask must be the best mask for protecting against the Chinese virus. That's science. And then, the most predictable thing you could possibly predict happening, happened. Uh, the masks you sold us don't work. Uh, of course they work. They're Chinese. 247,000 of the masks are unsuitable for medical use, and another 130,400 of the masks aren't even the type of mask we ordered. But if you use them when you do medical stuff, then they're suitable for medical use because you're using them for medical stuff. That's medicine. They don't filter out particles. So? So, they're particle filter masks. The particles that they filter include COVID-19 particles. Nah, I'm just gonna hide out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> President Trump took to Twitter to attack Twitter for fact-checking two of his tweets. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. Twitter can't fact-check Trump tweets because, all capital letters, speech freedom is the freedom to speech whatever I want to speech. Mail-in ballots are a Democrat hoax to harvest speech freedom on a vote-stealing hoax farm in California where Joe Scarborough hides all of his dead bodies! Exclamation point! This cannot be allowed to happen. The controversy began when Twitter attached a fact-check link to both tweets in a two-tweet thread in which President Trump lied about the non-existent threat of mail-in voter fraud. Mail-in voting is 
all capital letters, fraud, exclamation point. Many people are saying that little Michael Bloomberg is so little that he lives inside a mailbox and he steals all the mailbox votes, exclamation point. Democrat, all capital letters, hoax, exclamation point. Mail, dot, 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 send, dot, 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 dot. In ballots are very unfair to me. Nobody has ever been tricked worse by mailboxes and stamps and the sticky part of that envelope that you have to lick and it tastes, all capital letters, yucky than Trump. The only thing that should come in the mail is, all capital letters, Russian brides. Three exclamation points. Send. As is their stated policy regarding provably false claims on their platform, Twitter attached a link to factual articles that debunked the president's demonstrably false claims about mail-in voter fraud. And as is his insane policy regarding the made-up presidential powers in the Constitution, President Trump threatened to, quote, strongly regulate or even, quote, shut down social media platforms he doesn't like. I will very strongly regulation all of the social media that is very unfair to Trump. Nobody regulationates most better strongly than Trump. The First Amendment says very strongly that speech freedom means that the president is very strongly and can very strongly make speech freedom companies speech freedom. However, I want them to strongly speech freedom. To better understand this story, Barely Audible Whisper needed to speak to a social media expert. So we asked a random teenager. WTF Twitter? Trump lies like all the time. So like, why all of a sudden are they going to like fact check this one particular lie about mail-in voting? I mean, what even is mail? Our decision to fact check President Trump's statements regarding mail-in voting is consistent with our company's policies aimed at preventing the spread of misinformation on our platform. What does that even mean? I know you're like a, a Twitter business person or whatever, but like the same day he lied about the mail thing, whatever that is, he also accused Joe Scarborough, who like my mom watches, of murdering some girl who like he couldn't even murdered because she like died of not being murdered. She died of natural causes. That's what I said. She died of not being murdered. But uh, so like, um, why do you fact check the one lie? But like, you're totally okay with the other lies? Twitter, like all social media, was created as a platform to facilitate the frivolous nonsense of shallow, self-important jackasses. Yeah, plus the filter slap. So, despite the fact that it was completely predictable, we were taken completely by surprise when our platform was used as a tool for political propaganda and the deliberate spread of dangerous misinformation. Toots, frowny face emoji... We initially vowed to stop the spread of misinformation on our platform, but then that turned out to be hard, and people kept getting mad at us, which is also hard. So we tried to do as little as possible, which seemed less hard, but then other people got mad at us, which is also hard. 
So now we just arbitrarily apply standards to seemingly egregious violations because figuring out an actual solution is really hard. Twitter is trying to silence conservative voices. The evil, terrorist, America-hating, baby-murdering left are the ones that are full of hate. Hashtag liberal Twitter bias. I can't believe I got put in Twitter jail just because I told an evil, racist, Nazi immigrant-murdering maggot that I hope they die in front of their children because I disagree with the thing they said about taxes. Why are conservatives so filled with hate? Hashtag conservative Twitter bias. I'm Congressman Devin Nunez, and I believe that conservative voices are being wrongly silenced on Twitter. Censorship is wrong and cannot be tolerated on any platform. Also, I'm filing a lawsuit to silence the Twitter account of a fake cow that says things I don't like. Yeah, political Twitter is a totes nightmare. But like, also, the president of the United States can just like shut down social media platforms or whatever, because like, you know, the constitution and stuff. Why can't we just make billions of dollars without it being hard? Ugh, censorship bad. Being responsible for the Frankenstein's monster we created is hard. Ugh, misinformation also bad. We're being used as a political tool, but the people who are using us as a political tool accuse us of being a political tool when we try and stop them from using us as a political tool. <sighs> Regulation necessary to stop propaganda, but everyone define propaganda as anything that disputes their own propaganda. Uh, fake news, Frankenstein. Trumpenstein created by fake news. Now, Trumpenstein call every news I know like fake news. Ah, <sighs> uh, president not a king. Uh. Trump do whatever Trump want. Trump no like social media. Trump destroy social media. <sighs> you can't just shut us down because you don't like the fact that we finally stood up to you. Uh, who going to stop Trump? Congress. The Supreme Court. Mm. Mm. Uh, liberal mm. uh, I see Trump point. So how do you like balance freedom of speech or whatever with like journalistic integrity and stuff and like not get all politically biased, but then also like totally hold the politicians accountable for their statements or whatever? Mm, no let president dictate terms of political speech allowed on private communication platform. But that's hard. Trumpenstein hard. Mm -hmm. 
Perhaps one reason Twitter won't enforce fact-checking on Trump's claims about Scarborough is that even in his mad tweet-storming about insane conspiracies, he's weirdly careful with his words. As evidenced by the following verbatim tweet. As always, our Trump impersonator is still a woman, because we hear he still hates that. A lot of interest in the story about Psycho Joe Scarborough. So, a young marathon runner just happened to faint in his office, hit her head on his desk, and die? I would think there is a lot more to the story than that. An affair? What about the so-called investigator? Read story! Exclamation point. While his speculations, epithets, and questions clearly paint a picture of accusing someone of murder, he never actually says it. Reporters and fact-checkers have responded repeatedly by detailing the facts of the case, which clearly point to not murder. Trump continues to call for someone to investigate. It's unclear who he's asking, but as it turns out, someone did take the case. When I got my private investigator's license, I didn't realize that advances in forensics had taken all of the glamour out of the job. Who needs a gumshoe pondering a crime scene and saying, something doesn't add up, when a bunch of four eyes in crime labs can just analyze blood spatter and determine the killer must have been a six foot four left-handed man with scoliosis. I've been working in Fort Walton Beach, Florida for 10 years, and no one has once come to me with a murder to solve. It's always, who slipped the PCP into my daughter's weed? Which lifeguard is my husband not banging? Or what did I do last night when I was on meth? And no, it's never murder. But today was different. Today was quite possibly the best day of my career. I'm Snoop Dickery, Private Eye. Mr. Jiggery, I need your help. I can't trust anyone else with this, see? She was backlit, so at first all I could see was her bright red hair and shapely figure. It was enough to pique my interest. My name is Ginger Damsel, and I need you to investigate... a murder. You're hired! I mean, I'm hired. I mean, I accept. It's a cold case, see? From almost 20 years ago. You think I can solve a crime that the cops couldn't with all their fancy labs and DNA tests? I only need you to try. It's more than I can get anyone else to do, see? Spill the beans, dame. Who's the vic? Laurie Klausudis. She was working as a congressional day for Joe Scarborough, see, when she mysteriously died of a head injury in his office. I had heard of Scarborough. They called him Psycho Joe. At least someone had. I can't remember who. I don't really follow politics. As Ginger stepped into the light, I could see that, from some angles, her face was reasonably attractive. This cover-up goes real deep. You're not afraid to get your hands dirty. Are you, Mr. Diggory? A gulp was all I could muster in response. Goodbye, Mr. Diggory. I'll be in touch. She handed me a file. 
It was a disorganized mess, but what I was able to get out of it was that Klausutis was a healthy 28-year-old woman, a marathon runner, and pretty easy on the eyes. The autopsy report said that she likely suffered from an undiagnosed heart abnormality and hit her head as she fell. I reached out to the coroner. Jesus Christ, how many calls do I have to get about this case? So I wasn't the only one on the job. Interesting. I'll tell you what I've told everyone. When a person dies of a massive brain injury, you can tell whether it was a moving object striking the head or the moving head striking an object by where the brain is bruised. Lori's brain was bruised on the opposite side from the external bruising, meaning she died from hitting her moving head on a solid object. Could she have been poisoned, causing the heart issue? There were no toxins in the body. So the only way this was murder would be... If someone picked her up and physically slammed her head into the desk, which is how exactly nobody would go about killing someone. Can I get back to my lunch now? Something didn't add up. Actually, everything added up. I just wanted to say that. I went back to my office where a package had arrived. It was a statue of a very fat bird of prey, an obese falcon. On it, a phone number was scrawled in tall, skinny letters. At first, I thought it was a barcode. Then I realized I'd seen that handwriting before. But where? I called the number. Still ringing. Hello? I got this number on a fat bird. So, you're the detective? Yes. Who is this? Call me Joey Toxic. Do you have something to tell me, Toxic? Stay in your lane, Dickory. Don't try to solve this case because you can't. What's that supposed to mean? Your job isn't to find answers. It's to find questions. With that, Joey Toxic hung up. <clears throat> this still felt like a dead-end case, but I'm nothing if not semi-professional. I called up the former congressman. Joe Scarborough here. Can you prove your whereabouts the night Lori Klausudis died? <sighs> yes. My office has prepared a packet for every hack flatfoot and reporter who thinks that there's something to this, because there isn't. It unambiguously proves I was in Washington that night. I'll email it to you. I looked through the packet and it checked out. Still, he could have had someone else do the job, but how could they pick the victim up and slam her head into a desk without leaving any bruises or signs of a struggle? Something didn't add up. For real this time. And that something was, why the hell would anyone think this is a murder case? 
I needed to talk to Ginger again. You're not giving up on me, are you, Mr. Diggory? From my current angle, her face looked like there was a bloated salamander somewhere in her ancestry. I rolled my chair around for one of the more pleasant views. Ms. Damsel? I'm sorry, it just doesn't seem like there's much of a case here. This runs deeper than you think. Are you saying Klausudis' killing was part of a massive conspiracy? I'm not... not saying that. Think of all the people who'd have to be in on it. Exactly! Something's really not adding up. Why did you come to me with this case? What's in it for you? I'm doing it for Daddy, see? Daddy? Who is Daddy? Is it a code name? Then, in a rushing whirlwind, everything clicked. I knew where I'd seen that face that morphs from attractive to frightening as he circled around it. And I knew where I'd seen the long, thin, scrawling numbers from the obese Falcon. I picked up a letter I'd received a month ago. A letter taking presidential credit for the money Congress had allocated for economic relief. I know who you are, Ivanka. You can take the red wig off. How did you know? That's why they call me Snoop. My real name's Gordon. And speaking of bad names, Joey Toxic. Was that Trump himself? Yeah, he stole the name from Tiger King. Joe Exotic? Not the way Daddy pronounces it. Something still doesn't add up. Why is he spending his time digging up a nothing case? It's a distraction. You used me. You thought I'd find something to make a real case out of this, and then it could take over the news and distract America from everything going wrong. Is that it? It was just to distract you. Me? How am I so special? You're an undecided voter in Florida. If you're chasing a massive conspiracy for the next few months, you might not pay attention to how badly Daddy is ruining the country. And you might just be the vote that wins the Electoral College for Daddy. Jesus Christ. I've got to pay more attention to politics. Yeah, but don't. The CDC revealed this week that antibody testing, which the Trump administration has hyped as a way to determine whether or not individuals may have already had the coronavirus and therefore might be immune, are actually wrong 50% of the time. The CDC also said that antibodies might not actually provide any immunity. For more on these developments, Barely Audible Whisper sent a reporter to get an antibody test. Doctor, I'm here for my antibody test. Okay, I'm going to flip this coin up in the air. Heads, you have antibodies. Tails, you don't have antibodies. Oh, uh, uh, shouldn't you take a blood sample? <laughs> Why? The tests are wrong 50% of the time anyway. A coin flip gives you the exact same odds, but it's cheaper, quicker, and less invasive. Heads! Congratulations, you have antibodies. Oh, so does that mean I'm immune from coronavirus? Maybe. We don't actually know. 
we think it might probably mean that, but then again, probably maybe not. So what am I supposed to do now? Well, now we administer the immunity test. Immunity test? Yes, since the new coin flip antibody tests are so cheap and efficient, we now have the time and the resources to issue a second, equally scientific immunity test. Heads, you have immunity. Tails, you don't. I can't believe 100,000 people died given our completely competent national response. Better make it 100,001. Uh, the coin bounced underneath the table. It's too far away for me to be able to reach it. That means you're probably dead. Next! As all three of our regular listeners may remember, last week, Barely Audible Whisper reported on White House economic advisor Kevin Hassett's idiotically optimistic coronavirus projection model, which he created by randomly applying an irrelevant mathematical function to an Excel spreadsheet. Not surprisingly, this week, that same idiot did something else idiotic. In an interview on CNN, Mr. Hassett expressed his optimism that reopening the country would be economically beneficial because, quote, Our human capital stock is ready to go back to work. He could have called us people, but instead he called us, quote, Human capital stock. Hassett was roundly criticized for the callous and dehumanizing way he referred to the actual human beings that make the economy work, and has even been accused of making a veiled reference to slavery. But Barely Audible Whisper has obtained audio of Hassett's morning routine, which indicates that he wasn't trying to be a callous, money-hungry asshole. That's just who he is. Good morning, human sex capital stock. Good morning, human capital bank account. Are the human tax deductions ready for school? I don't want to go to school, human capital authority figure stock. Well, then you'd better dedicate yourself to perfecting your physical appearance. Hmm. You'd better listen to your human capital caregiver stock, my human tax deduction. If you don't drive up your market value by optimizing your educational grade point average, then your market value will be entirely determined by calculating your relative sexual attractiveness relative to the quantity of your sexual output. What about me, Dad? What the hell is a dad? Can I stay home and work on my appearance, too? Of course not, human tax return. I'm your son. Why can't you call me your son? What the hell is a son? 30% of your market value is determined by academic performance, with 60% depending on developing the popularity that can be utilized as networking in the future. Both metrics are most effectively utilized through attendance. There's more to life than market value. Ooh, my human capital affection rival just said a communism. Are you on drugs? What have I told you about drug use? That drugs should only be used in direct proportion to their ability to raise your popularity curve while closely monitoring their detrimental effects to productivity. I can't believe my first biological tax deduction has become a drug-addicted communist. 
Looks like my parental approval ratio is trending rapidly upward. You broke your human capital caregiver stock's heart. Do you have any idea what a broken heart costs in today's healthcare market? Ooh, ooh, I do. It costs us nothing because we're rich and have insurance. That's true. Human emotion has no tangible market value. What are we going to do? We can't let our tax deductions rampant communism go unpunished. But there are no market corrections for a broken heart with no tangible market value. A lawsuit. Emotional damages are financially quantifiable in a lawsuit. But we see punitive emotional damages like some communist tort lawyer. What kind of example does that set for our human tax deductions? What is wrong with you people? What the hell are people? The communist word for human capital stock. <laughs> this is all our fault! <laughs> are you happy now, human tax deduction? My human capital sex stock just accepted liability by admitting personal fault. You turned your own human capital caregiver into a communist. Mom. Who? Dad. Who? I'm sorry if this disappoints you, but I believe that the true value of a human being is like greater than their value on the market. My first biological tax return is legally dead to me. From this fiscal year forward, we shall only claim one human tax deduction. Oh, cheer up, human capital sex stock. When I get home tonight, we can initiate the process of expanding our tax-deductible asset base by laying the foundation for the creation of a brand new human tax deduction. Good thinking. If we conceive right away, we can squeeze the new deduction into the fiscal year. I'm going to get so many cool new toys because of this. I <laughs> To the company store. She's evil. We love her. Love me. Predominantly peaceful nationwide protests against the murder of George Floyd, the 40 year old unarmed black man who was killed by a white police officer who kneeled on his neck for more than seven minutes while three other officers watched, devolved into chaos and rioting as tensions between protesters and police boiled over into violence and brutality. The initial escalations by police, who fired tear gas and rubber bullets from behind tanks and riot gear, on unarmed and mostly peaceful, predominantly black protesters, stands in stark contrast to the leeway law enforcement gave heavily armed, entirely white, anti-lockdown protesters just two weeks earlier. While the reasons that protests demanding justice for George Floyd escalated into violence are multifaceted and complex, Barely Audible Whisper believes it is worth examining the differences between law enforcement's initial response to the George Floyd protests versus their lack of response to the heavily armed anti-lockdown protests. 
The scene is tense here in Minneapolis, where a group of unarmed, predominantly black protesters chanting, I can't breathe, to memorialize the repeated pleas of George Floyd, are being faced down by barricades, tanks, and police officers armed with tear gas and full riot gear. I can't breathe! scene is tense here at the Michigan State Capitol building where a group of entirely white protesters armed with military-grade assault weapons are being faced down by... Oh, wait. Oh, never mind. The cops don't seem to care that much. I can't breathe quite as well as I usually can when I wear a mask. Chaos has erupted as police have fired tear gas into the crowd. I can't breathe! It has become impossible to tell who's chanting I can't breathe as a rally cry and who's yelling I can't breathe because they can't breathe. Chaos has kind of sort of erupted here. The heavily armed white protesters have erupted into chaos and are verbally abusing police officers, literally screaming in their faces. Screw you, cop! Trying to make me stay home. Me and my AK-47 dare you. But the cops are just standing still, taking the abuse, refusing to engage, but looking mildly annoyed. The streets of Minneapolis have descended into chaos and violence. The Michigan State Capitol has descended into chaos and mild annoyance. Black Lives Matter! I want to get a haircut. The demonstration here has been mostly peaceful, but a handful of protesters engaging in petty vandalism and a handful more throwing objects at the shielded riot police triggered the police to fire multiple tear gas grenades and a flurry of rubber bullets. The demonstration here has been entirely peaceful, despite the heavily armed protesters seemingly trying to provoke violence by shaking their rifles, verbally abusing police officers, and even ominously staring down counter-protesters who for some reason they are accusing of being fake nurses. The evidence against the cop that murdered George Floyd is overwhelming! The evidence of coronavirus is fake evidence made up by these fake nurses. What do I have to gain by pretending to be a nurse? I will kill you. Nothing worth looking into going on over here. And police brutality! Ow! A black guy hit me in the head with a water bottle. I'm scared. Fire all of the tear gas! Black people have been oppressed in this country for more than 400 years! I have been inconvenienced for almost three weeks! I have run out of patience for the injustices inflicted upon Black people! I have run out of shows to watch on Netflix! We must stand against racism, though it may never end. This must end immediately. That's the news from Minneapolis, where a demonstration against police brutality turned into a demonstration of police brutality. Parts of the city are now on fire, ensuring that the public discourse will turn away from the murder of George Floyd and focus entirely on a predictable partisan debate about whose fault the fire is. And it remains uncertain whether the protesters 
will earn the justice that George Floyd deserves. That's the news from Michigan, where somehow no one was even arrested, and the only thing that remains uncertain is why someone would pretend to be a nurse. One thing that is certain, these tough guy wannabe, gun-toting white assholes will get exactly what they want and still find a reason to complain about it. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress Molly Brown, writer and actor Daniel Carter Brown, actors Ali Glonick, Corey Burns, and Michael Morgan. Please check out barelyaudiblewhisper.com where you can uh, subscribe to our podcast or subscribe to us wherever else you subscribe to your podcasts and follow us on social media and tell all of our f- your friends. We appreciate your support. My name is Ginger Damsel. Ow, ow, ow. Stop. Ow. <laughs> the cat likes to bite my toes. <laughs>